This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 748, brought to you by Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy for 20% off your first order. And iFanboy listeners just like you, wearing your masks, washing your hands, doing the right thing, thinking about people. And hopefully wearing comfortable underwear, if I'm honest. Yeah! Whoa! Well, that flew in the summer of 17. 
and welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 748. I am Josh Flanagan, and I am with Carnacle Patrick. I worry you're getting too familiar with the audience, Josh. How so? Just talking about their underwear. I mean, so. it's technically we're, we're being paid to talk about their underwear. <laughs> I'm just saying. And, you know, I think about it sometimes. We are iFanboy, <laughs> and oh, every boy. week we, we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks the one they like best, and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about other books from the week, the patron pick. We talk about soft, comfortable fabrics mm-hmm. up against your skin in your most intimate of places. We talk about that. We'll get there. There's a corner for that. Intimate places corner coming up later. Uh, and listener mail if we have time, and that you can send in audio recordings. Wow. Of... You've lost the thread totally. Yeah, but no, like special audio recordings about right. okay. where, where fabric contacts. Let's move on. It'll be fun. It will be invigorating. It will be... Uh, it'll be around... Anyway, this is your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers. Exercise some caution. You realize that I have to, I have to laugh at the end of that because I assume that there are people out there who uh, are devoid of irony, and I will get an email. Mm-hmm. So I have to be like, ha ha, it's all a joke, like saying, just kidding. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, put your microphone close is what I'm saying. <laughs> Connor, you have the pick this week. Would you like to take over from this? Yeah, I disavow everything that just happened. <laughs> this uncomfortable bit. Pick of the week. I had a really hard time, actually. I bet you did. No, but I had three books that I really couldn't decide between. I read all my books. You know, you got the Tuesday, Wednesday staggered scheduler. I read most everything by midday Wednesday and didn't decided to pick until thursday morning i I spent a day on it i slept on it i showered on it i ran on the treadmill on it like i I really thought for a while about it and you know that's usually our joke but i did i actually spent a good day thinking about it we're going to talk about all three of the books and there's even like a fourth one that was sort of like a dark horse candidate so that's pretty much all the books you read from this week (laughs) (laughs) it was a short it was a light week but the pick of the week ended up being the flash 761 written by joshua williamson art by howard porter hi-fi on colors steve wands on letters did you read this no. Okay, this was bonkers in the best possible, craziest way. One could say it was like overstuffed and nuts, and I just thought that was so much fun. So this is the final arc for Joshua Williamson. He's been on this book for a long time. Really? Yeah, and then not only that, but they're out every two weeks, so it's like 10 years. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's got like two more issues or something like that. Really? Yeah, so this is the final arc facing Reverse Flash, and as we talked about in previous issues... The whole Flash family's there now, so you've got, in addition to Wallace West, Kid Flash, you have Impulse, and you have Max Mercury, and you have Jesse Quick, and you have Jay Garrick. You have the whole gamut of Flash people, except for Wally West, the original one, which we'll talk about in a second, fighting against this combined team that Reverse Flash has created. So there's this one two-page spread that's just like the craziest thing I've ever seen Howard Porter draw. I can't imagine how long it took him to draw this two-page spread. It's just every character running around fighting, and because there's flashes, they're just everywhere, and... It was just this crazy, giant flash battle with great character moments in the middle of it. Max Mercury decides he needs to meditate on what's happening, so he just stops fighting, and he's meditating in the middle of this crazy battle. And and then even more characters show up, flashes from across time and space, and every, basically almost every Flash character that you've seen over the last 30 or 40 years shows up in this story. And then the reverse Flash reveals his giant plan and it's audacious and crazy in the best comic book possible way. It's basically, and you've read Flash comics, you know, the reverse Flash yes. goes around time and tries to fuck with Barry's life. He killed his mother and all that stuff. So here he says he's gone beyond that, and he discovered with 
the dark speed force that he could whisper into people's ears using the dark speed force and it became like subliminal messaging so he's basically claiming that he's gone around and all the major events in the dc universe since basically rebirth he's caused that are related to the flash family so like over in teen titans i guess and i'm not reading but robin has been being really hardcore with villains Mm-hmm. And he, so he whispers in Wallace West's ear that you're not going to go along with it, which causes tension. And he whispers in Jay Garrick's ear that they're all going to forget you. And he whispers in Barry and Bruce's ear to not tell anybody about the investigation into the comedian's button from Rebirth. All along the way until the the big reveal is that he whispered into Wally West's ear, no one will believe you that this was an accident, so you should cover it up, referring to the events of Heroes in Crisis. Wow. When we talked about it at the time, nothing that Wally did made sense from a character point of view. And so they're claiming here that this was all the reverse Flash is doing. If, A, that was planned, which it wasn't. Yeah. If it was, that's brilliant. If that is the out at the end, still kind of brilliant. (laughs) And before that, he even, he whispers into their ears that Wally and Barry shouldn't get along and they're they're actually enemies. And so that's, so basically they're using this to basically retcon everything. And then Mm -hmm. at one point, Barry and reverse Flash are fighting each other and Reverse Flash is about to make like the kill move, and there's a giant blue lightning bolt that comes down from the sky and stops him. And it's Wally saying, "Find me, Barry, find me." And it says, "To see where Wally is, go to Dark Knight's Death Metal." And I was like, "Fuck!" So it even tied in Dark Death Metal, which I didn't even realize was like in current continuity, like not just continuity, but like happening concurrently with what we're reading in other books. So it was crazy. I read it and I was I finished and I was like, "Wow, that was audacious and." A hell of an artistic job by Howard Porter because there's just so many characters in this book. You talk to any artist and each character you add to a book exponentially makes the book harder to draw, take longer. Because you have to have character models in your head and costumes. And it's not like, you know, you're drawing one character and you just sort of instinctually know how to do it. It's just, it takes forever. And there's probably like a hundred characters in this book. And so when I finished it, it felt like this giant flash culmination to all these things that have been going on for a long time. And Joshua Williamson's run has been all over the map it's been sometimes really good sometimes really bad and this feels like he's ending it on a really high note and i think that right now i appreciate the craziness of it it's interesting now i'm gonna speak as a person who hasn't read this book Mm -hmm. so take that as you will although i am i'm looking through it right now i just want to say also Mm -hmm. like we love howard porter from the 90s and the jla era and i I think this is his best work. I mean, that's basically what I was going to say. Is I think his style has evolved due to injuries and things is much better looking than his style from the 90s. And I think yeah. that right now he's drawing some of the best comics he's ever drawn. It really is good looking. And, I, and I've also, you, you know, we also, I don't know if hi-fi color is a person or a bot. <laughs> or a robot, yeah. It's a cyborg who will color comics and then kill us all. Or a group of North Korean laborers. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. But I know that the colors are important in this book. Mm-hmm. Colors are, are, you know, out of all the superheroes, the flash colors, that red, that yellow, those are super important. And I think that it really looks great, especially with everything going on here. It's not because the more complicated the drawings are, the more complicated the coloring has to be. And even the lettering to a certain extent. So if you're sort of just, I'm just looking at it as an object of craft, it's pretty great. I got to imagine that the top of the script, Joshua Williams either wrote or should have wrote, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, to everyone was, before handing this over to the artists and the colors, because it's just, this is crazy. And then they were all like, it's cool, there's no horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old art joke. Yeah, it, it does. It, it looks absolutely beautiful. And I think the thing about Williamson's run is that I, I haven't loved all of it. And I don't know. And, and so I've, I've, I've come in and out 
You know, like mm-hmm. you just talking about this, I was like, that makes me want to read this. I want to read this. I don't love Reverse Flash, and I feel like he's in every story, and the ones that he's in I tend to avoid. So I saw the cover, and I was like, oh, look, Reverse Flash. You get that Joker thing. But it's interesting, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's kind of cool, and I, I will I will read this. But, you know, the idea that the, I was I actually saw the Max Mercury meditation thing, you know, with it before mm-hmm. you said it, and I was like, that's awesome. And I, I just remember I love those characters. I love Jay Garrick's stupid hat. Which they have him using like Captain America's shield now a lot, which I'm not sure ever happened before, and I can't decide how I feel about it. I think I feel okay about it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Shiny. It's, it's it's tiny. It's more like a disc than a shield. I love Max Mercury's mentoring of Impulse. Yeah, there's a lot of really good things in there, and I, I think I haven't read every issue. I haven't loved everything, but I I still think that in our age, I don't I don't think there's been a better guy to write Flash than Josh Williamson. You know, he's so enthusiastic about it it just all has the right energy and the right tone and so you know when i'm saying i don't like parts of it like it's kind of not for me like these aren't my favorite kinds of comics but i know well enough to go if you're going to make these comics this is the kind of comics they should be and i think it's really cool i'm kind of like oh wow he's ending i just kind of figured he would just do this indefinitely i think on the balance and we we can maybe discuss it when it finally ends on the balance i think his run is successful like i said we've talked about how some of it hasn't been good and some of it has been boring there's been stretches of it but the thing is we've been doing this so long yeah. But on the balance, I think we look back on it as successfully. He's also weaving in between company-wide stuff. So there's a lot yeah. to navigate when he does that. And then also doing, you know, two a month. It's all a lot. I'm pretty sure he. I'm pretty sure him and his wife had a baby in there, too. Yeah, it, it's a ton. And if I think about, like, what's another great Flash run that you can remember? Between Jeff Johns and here, who stood, who, who stood out on this book? I mean, I, th- I don't think you can... The only one of consequence is really Francis Manipal, and I think you can only mention that because of the art. Like the stories were fine. I couldn't even remember yeah. a single one of them happened, but the art. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. there hasn't been a memorable Flash run since Jeff Johns left it. You know, <laughs> there's been infamous ones. There's <laughs> yes, Mark Wade coming back, and then the kids. I was actually while you were talking, looking through this issue again, and it it sort of was the counterpoint to our discussion to Empire last week, which was mm-hmm. this yeah. felt like a big event story. There was. A lot of characters, there was big stakes, and it was big character moments, and it, it all felt like weighty and important. If this was the big DC event, and this was like this almost the final issue, I would believe it, because it, it had that feeling of bigness, sure. which was missing from Empire. I'm looking at this, there's a cool Kid Flash scene, like, everyone kind of got their moment in a way that felt natural as a part of the story, but everyone got to shine, and that's the kind of thing that, like, you need in a, a big event story. Now, this isn't an event, but it felt like it had that kind of weight to it. Mm-hmm. And even had a good cliffhanger. So I'm looking forward to the end and then seeing where they go with Flash. It really does have a, well, I was going to say old yeah. school, but like even flipping through it. So you've got that first page, you open the cover, you know, they're running and talking, setting things up. Second page, double page spread, bam, census assaulting sort of everything. That's the one I'm talking about. That was crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, could, I could tell exactly what you meant, you know, and we, and we pick it up from there. And, and then the rest of it is just huge. Like it's all big and exciting and this is an older style of comic book this is not an introspective i mean it is but in the bombastic way and i you know i got to appreciate that this is a grant morrison super gods comic book yeah josh williamson is is of he's sort of straddling generations of writer in a way i mean like classes like he's a little bit part of the you know bendis remender brubaker class but late 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 in that and he's a little bit part of the newer you know the, the al ewing class for mm-hmm. lack of a, another creator i can think of and it's just kind of interesting yeah 
I'll read this and I will read the next two issues and we can we can discuss it as we as they as they run out. His run has been fun for the most part. And this, if this is the way it's going out, it's ending on a high note. So I'm looking forward to the rest of that. Now, I really loved Superman 25, Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, Julio Ferreira, Danny Mickey on inks, and Alex Sinclair, Dave Sharp. I love this issue. This is the oversized anniversary issue. I'm making air quotes that you can't see. As we are introduced to a race of aliens called Sinmar, Sinmarians. Sinmar. The planet's Sinmar, so there'll be Sinmarians. I believe that they were the the Sinmar, or, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. This is new, right? I assume. This is all new, yeah. So he's, okay. he's introducing this alien warrior race that has been... Super advanced. In the background the whole time, and not in like a retconny way, more like they've, they're in the universe, and they've been monitoring Superman and Earth this whole time because they think he's a threat to them. Possibly. What I loved about it was like they're totally manufacturing this threat. At one point, one of the characters in their council is like, "Why are we doing this? He doesn't even know we exist. <laughs> He's not a threat to us." And like, well, he could be. So there's this whole issue long sort of debate about what they're going to do about Superman while we see his life through various stages since coming to Earth. I did like that as they did that though. There was definitely an element of all right. Let's not let's not move too fast. Just keep an eye on it, you know. And yeah. so you're watching that push pull of of fear versus you know giving him space and then at the same time you know you you have a story about clark and lana lang yeah having him reveal himself to the public it was bad yeah however there are little bits of it that can that can lead to interesting conversations and stories and if you are of the brian michael bendis ilk and he said this before and i i like it as an idea you know you take two characters who are interesting or have a relationship or whatever's going on you put them in a room and you let them talk right and this does open up an opportunity for that much at least. So to have this version of Clark Kent talk to his old friend, one-time girlfriend, sort of about what's going on, and they talk about Lois a little bit, you know, it's kind of fun and it's kind of interesting. And that's all against the backdrop of this, like, Silver Age yeah. sort of alien shit. The Sidmar Utopica. I love this issue. No, I liked it. I know, but, like, there were certain points where I was like, All right, I don't quite understand, but let's move along. Again, in the super god's way. I was just like, let's go. <laughs> this was like the most fun I had reading Superman in a while. Mm-hmm. We loved this book for a while to the point people were making mm-hmm. fun of us. But then it, it, it sort of got rocky for a bit. But this was my favorite issue in a while. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of things in here that kept it from being pick the week. There's a couple of things like, oh, I didn't really need to return to the era of Lana being Superwoman. I even forget when that was. Mm-hmm. That was in the dark times. So which means we had to see Superman in his Nifty 2 outfit. And then there was, there was one point where... I wasn't quite sure what they were going for. There's this scene where, you know, Lana's the whole th- thing on Clark's side is Lana's interviewing Clark about being about Superman for her job, mm-hmm. and so she's at his house and she's looking through photos, and he goes to get like a uh, fire. Oh no, he goes to get the fire. So she's looking at his stuff, and I wasn't quite sure what all of her silent reactions are supposed to be meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one point where she looks angry when she's looking at like the high school yearbook. There's one point where she looks shocked, and mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure what all that meant. I see that. I didn't know if I was supposed to know, if, like, they're going to reveal it later, or. but it just felt like I should know through the acting of the character what she's thinking. And I wasn't quite sure why she was angry looking at the photo of them as prom king and queen, or, or shocked looking at sad Clark. I, I don't know. It was it was a couple of things that, you know, threw me off for a loop a little bit. But for the most part, I loved this issue. I thought this was terrific. And I, I love the buildup of the aliens. And it would be great, too, if you never saw these aliens again. Now, obviously, that's not how, what they're doing with this story. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting just to know that, that this is the reaction that Clark garners throughout the universe right like pe- they, people yeah. freak out about him even if he's he doesn't even know that they are alive and they also like they don't know him because he's the good dude right that becomes a given 
in the DC universe. And so that every, and that's the other thing, that's what everybody knows. Like usually when he goes into, into space, he's famous and everybody knows about all the stuff. So, you know, he gets a lot of slack for that. This is this, this alien, this reminds me of Alvin the alien or Alan the alien. Alan the alien. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying about those couple of pages. And I, I think it's one of those things like it would be, I bet it works in the script or in the head as mm-hmm. acting. Right. Like if you saw the thing like where she had just had, she's having different reactions as she looks through stuff and there's surprise. And then I think if I'm interpreting it, it there's, I think there's two ways to go. One, she's discovered something that they decided not to show us. That's going to be relevant later. Right. But that would, that was very, very vague if that's what happened. Or two, at the end of it, she just goes through this gamut of emotions as she's looking through her stuff. And at the end, there would be like a shrug or something like that. Mm. You know, and then that would sort of deflate all that stuff. Which is easier to pull off of the human. Yes. As opposed to drawing. And, you know, a lot of the new school writers, I say new school, but now they're old school, but new school writers from when we were younger Mm -hmm. clearly came out of, I'm writing comics like a screenplay. Yes. And so things that might work better on the screen don't necessarily work better on the page and vice versa. This artist, Ivan Reese, is yeah. a good artist. Yeah. You know, like he can do all those things. And, and honestly, I got to say, I don't remember which book. Was John Romita on action, right? Yep. This works so much better in Superman for me. And it's not even my favorite kind of art. No, no you, don't, like, you don't even like Ivan Reese that much. But it works, yeah. at least in this kind of context. You know, the people acting and everything. And I like the sort of humbleness of Clark that you see in his facial expressions and his posture, that Kansas aw shucks thing. <laughs> There's a couple of, oh! Faces he makes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked a lot. And I always kind of wonder, like, it's the same thing as Batman. Like, is he putting on an act mm-hmm. in either of those? Or is it just his mind space? You know, like, there's work Josh and home Josh. And right. those are different guys. It, when he's being Clark, if he's in his, you know, sort of regular dress shirt, you know, yep. does he act different? Is it unconscious? You know, like, it must be like when he's in Superman mode. You know, he's got to project. He also would act differently around Lana, who's someone he's known his whole life yes. and has, yeah. no, has known his secret since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a relaxation about it. I like it. I like that. The, but that shows in the drawings, and I think that's fun. It was good. Yep. I wanted to talk about G.I. Joe number eight. We talked about G.I. Joe number seven before, which is like a PTSD Scarlet kind of story. Right. And I enjoyed that. So I went back in, and I, I did number eight when I saw that it came out. And this one was like, it was like straight out of G.I. Joe Cobra. Hmm. And I had really come to the conclusion that G.I. Joe Cobra had been just a a one-off. Like, there shouldn't be a lot of stories like that. And I still believe that. You know, this was good at the time, but I don't want them to all be like this. This was just an aberration. But this one was kind of cool. So what you've got going on here is that, you know, Cobra is in this story a legitimate government, I guess, of the U.S. Sort of a Cobra Handmaid's Tale kind of thing. Yeah, that was the conceit, right? When the, yeah. I read the first issue was that the Cobra was in charge. And so what we've got here is one of the... I don't actually know who these characters are, but one of the female Joe characters is apparently having an affair with one of Cobra's top scientist minister kind of types, like a like a Von Riventrop kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're behind the scenes and they're kissing and they're talking about getting away together. And she's trying to get him to defect from Cobra. He's suggesting, like, let's just go. Let's just both leave because mm-hmm. he's like, I can't defect because I'll just get arrested as soon as I go into, you know, whatever place. And then you find out that she she goes out and she has lunch with Chuckles, who's in his shirt, by the way, <laughs> you know, as he should be. Yeah. And they refer back to G.I. Joe Cobra. And she's like, well, you you know, you fell in love with that woman. He's like, I did, but that didn't stop me from doing my job. And it like referred back to G.I. Joe Cobra. And in that way, which I don't remember all that well, but in that way, it grounded it. And and really, it was it was, it was really well written. It was kind was of Was there fun. a box, like an editor's box saying, see G.I. Joe Cobra? 
no, you kind of had to know it. So mm-hmm. it's it's not a it's not a beginner level issue in that way. Although it's it still is. It's still you know intrigue. I'm watching the Americans right now too. So you know it's all sort of related to that. She does have feelings for this guy, but he's also evil and she's conflicted and. You know, she has a job to do. Right. It was good, and I think that the again the character acting was was really strong, and it was a, it was a it was a fun issue. It was the kind of thing like you know I think it was a good extension of the idea of Cobra as a legitimate government. Right. It's really easy to compare it to Nazi Germany because that's the closest thing you have to this sort of totalitarian thing, and they're coming off as sort of effete, cultured. You know, uh, it was I think it was in um, Plot Against America. You know, like right. like you know like they're dashing. They have nice suits. Hugo Boss. Yeah. There's some really great stuff in here. It was a really fun issue, and I thought it was well drawn. You might you might want to check it out because I'm just curious. Interesting. Uh, I might good stuff. It. Emma Vicelli on art for this one and colors by Brittany Peer. I dug it. I enjoyed it. That was a genuine G.I. Joe Corner moment. So Marauders 12 was my dark horse for pick of the week. It was Flash, Superman, Marauders was the dark horse, and the third one we're going to get to in a second. So this is the path to X-Men X of Swords, the X-Men crossover that i guess they're going to be doing soon i saw people talking about it and all i could think was x of swords is a really stupid name x of swords x of ten of swords <laughs> so maybe maybe there'll be ten swords and they've all got to find the swords i mean it may not be dumb but it's just it just doesn't work for me and that's fair i don't know what it means yet i can't call it dumb until i know what it means because maybe it's cool i don't know i think it's like a like if you have a band and that band is called space hog mm-hmm. i'm not into it because i don't like that name and right now, right now, I guarantee you at least a small percentage of listeners are going, no, that third album was actually really good. I'm writing down But it doesn't Space matter because they're called Space Hog. So Marauders 12, Jerry Duggan, Matteo Lolly. So if you recall, we talked about the last issue too, Kitty Pride was murdered by Sebastian Shaw. And they thought they couldn't bring her back, so they had a funeral for her in the last issue. But then at the end of the issue, they brought her back anyway. So now we have, po- <laughs> we have post-resurrected, super pissed off Kitty Pride. Here and this issue is basically just following her around as she has changed. She's not the same Kitty Pride as before. I'm not going to call her Kate. She's walking around with Emma Frost, and I gotta fly around in the space bullet for this. <laughs> so she's walking around with Emma. They're riding horses on the beach out of some movie, and Emma's trying to is take that, her. Is, is that movie Planet of the Apes? <laughs> well, there's. It could be Black Beauty. It could be all kinds of things. So, okay. She's trying to take Kitty's mind off things, but Kitty's not having it. She's all pissed off, and she wants revenge on Sebastian Shaw. And whatever she wants to do is so dark that it shocks even Emma Frost. And so then there's a party for her return, and we get to see she's now the Red Queen. You know, if you recall, they had all the they set up a sort of a new government in the, on Krakoa, and there's different factions. There's the you know the the White Queen, and there's another each one has a queen. So she's the Red Queen. So she wears a red dress, and she's at the party. And Nightcrawler's happy to see her, and he gives her back her necklace and. Magic's happy to see her. Sebastian Shaw shows up, which is ballsy, because he doesn't know that she knows <laughs> that, she, that he, he murdered her. But still, she just doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to party. She's not the same kitty anymore. She doesn't want to hang out with her friends anymore. So Magic transports her away. And then she goes and gets tattoos from the sexy Krakow and tattoo artist. And she gets tattoos on her knuckles that say, kill Shaw. <laughs> that's all in on Jerry Duggan. But the only thing that, that was a little weird was that... In the opening scene, the, the pre-credit sequence, which looks like it's, I don't know where it's happening, in her head, I'm not sure. Storm says to her, uh, and then that girl I grew up with got knuckle tattoos. But that doesn't happen until the end of the issue. So I don't know where this scene happens in the context of the story. Because there's no, at no point just to say like later or p- before or 
anything. So there's no context for when that happened. So anyway, that was a minor quibble. This was a lot of fun. Mateo Lolly's art is terrific, and I'm enjoying this harder-edged, pissed-off Kitty Pride right now. Because as we've talked about before, her powers could be scary if she really wanted to use them like that. Isn't it interesting that if the X-Men had come out, like if they were new now, all the characters would be covered in tattoos? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not even being facetious. I'm like, you put tattoos on Kitty Pride's knuckles, and I thought, oh, that's totally common now. And like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's not like I don't, I don't want to sound like an old person, but like it's weird the kids do that. It's not weird. It's just weird how much the idea of them has changed over the course of my life and your life. You know, mm-hmm. it just means it's like, is that a scary biker? No, they make coffee. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's a hairdresser. She's gone full like Radio Rahim mm-hmm. with her tattoos. Oh so. shit! So she's love gonna, hate. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's. I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it looked great. As a little, as a character piece, and uh, I don't know what this X of Swords business is, but did you people know that we would easily just toss off a reference to a thirty-year-old movie, <laughs> a little tiny part of it, and just hope it. that you followed along? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Google it. That's why people are here. <laughs> that's why my regular friends are like, I don't understand your Facebook posts at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to explain it, so you'll just have to deal with that. It's time. Yep. Mac Weldon, you know, you can tell that we're not just reading these. We're always happy when Mac Weldon shows up. It is better than whatever it is you're wearing right now. It is a premium men's essentials brand. They leave in smart design, premium fabrics. They offer industry-leading underwear and so much more than an underwear company. They're, it's a one-stop shop for men's basics of all kind. Men's basics, a phrase I had not even considered a real thing mm-hmm. until now. And I said, you know what? It makes perfect sense. You got your socks, you got your underwears, you got your t-shirts, you got shorts, you got your sweatpants. You, they're, they're expanding outward from a core, you see. Your basic clothing needs. It doesn't mean they're yeah, basic, yeah. like bad in a basic way. It's, it's just, your, this, is what, this is the basics that you need. It is basic, but they've taken the basic and they've improved on it. So instead of treating it like a basic thing, it's a basic part of the equation But by making that really good, it makes all of your other stuff seem crappy. Mm. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, I I just think of the underwear I used to wear. Like a savage. What were you doing to yourself? Yeah. I know. It's just uh, the – the anyway. The thing is they believe in uh, smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. The website's nice and easy to get through. You can find exactly what you want, what they have in stock, what the colors are, all that kind of stuff. It will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. I got to get one of those hoodies, man. I just that's my that's my jam. There's these silver line of underwear and shirts that are natural antimicrobial, which means that they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair of underwear, you will keep it. They will refund you. No questions asked. They perform well in all sorts of the things that you want to do going out. This says going on dates. That means a different thing. But honestly, the longer that you sit around in your house on a video call, the more comfortable you want your underwear to be. That's what I know. Connor, what do you what are you liking right now? What are you, what are you into? I have the order from last time we talked about. I've I've really been enjoying my shorts, which has been really crucial in this heat wave we've been experiencing in the west coast of the country. So I have my Mac Weldon the four-way short, which is like the mm-hmm. radius pant. Right. I've been wearing those. And I, I honestly, the, the one I wear the most is the exercise short, the, the gray um, exercise short, which I you know, my, do my morning exercise. It's my most favorite pair to wear. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have it on the floor here next to me because I was exercising this morning. I, on the other hand, I'm getting excited about fall coming up. Mm-hmm. It's already starting. Lindsay told me this morning, she said, it's going to be in the 40s tonight. And her and I both went, oh, joy, which is unlike every other human we know. So we're going to see the ace sweatpant come back into heavy usage. Rotation. I got to say, 
I'm a convert on the airnet, on the airnet underwear. You talked about that last time. I, was, I looked it up after the last time we talked about it. It looked interesting. Didn't I? Did I'm gonna be? I didn't think I would like it. I st- I didn't get them for a long time. I got them through the hot weather though. It's very non-present. Feel. You know, it's just like it's not a thing that's making you more hot or more comfortable. This is real good. Very, very, very comfortable. Very, very light. Very non-obtrusive. I'm, I'm going to get some more of those. Although they're for warm weather, but I could do it with hot. I don't know. We're, we're going to find out. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to find out together. No. I'll tell you afterwards. I'll give you a thumbs up or down. <laughs> okay. That's about as far as I'm going. All right. But I'm a big fan of that. So anyway, let's move along. Uh, there is a, now a, uh, a, a loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you get to level two by spending $200. So basically level one is order a thing. Yep. Level two is free shipping for life. Just order a thing. Pretty good. Yep. Once you get to level two is by spending a, a total of $200. Uh, they're going to start giving you 20% off every order for the next year, which is good because we can give you our promo code here, which is iFanboy. That will give you 20% off your first order if you go to MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy. But you get to that level, then it's twenty percent from then on. Because there's no other coupons. You just got you got to do the thing. It's a good discount. You know, it is. It's more than yeah. a tax. A lot of places just give you the discount, which is basically just a tax. And this is twenty percent off the first order with coupon code iFanboy. And then if you order enough that one time, for the rest of the year, it's twenty percent off. So it's like you've ne- you're never paying full price after that. It's, it's a good deal. You're listening to this. You've been thinking to do it. Order one thing. Have it come in, and you you see if you want to go back to whatever ratty crap you were wearing before. You won't. <laughs> Find a way. Make a budget for it, man. Yeah. Hawkman. Hawkman 27, Robert Venditti, Fernando Passarin. This is... Follow-up to the pick. The cliffhanger last time was when the Hawks were resurrected for the last time. There's no more resurrecting for them. When they die, they die. And they woke up in the room with the Justice Society of America. Now... This issue, I could make a case to be one of my favorites of the year. Now, why would you say that, Connor, and not make it the pick of the week? Well, because my entire reasoning would be, I love the Justice Society of America. That's really, I couldn't like justify it beyond that. Own it. I mean, no one can say anything after you say that. Listen, I like this thing. End of story. It was just a, a solid Justice Society of America story where... It's the classic 1940s version. Everyone but the Hawks are wearing their 1940s costumes, and we'll talk about why that in a second. It's just a, the Justice Society fights the Injustice Society. They have a big brawl, and then you know there's a couple of things the Hawks talk about. But basically, that's all that happens in the issue is that there's just a big Justice Society adventure, and I was like so happy reading this comic. And now what we discover is that when the Hawks were resurrected, they could go any anywhere in time that they've lived and they chose the 1940s with, with the justice society and then we also found out that it's sort of a quantum leap scenario where we see them in their modern costumes but when they look in a reflective surface they're in their 1940s justice society costumes so people see them as they were not as they are so that explains why no one's wondering about the costumes and why suddenly carter has brown hair instead of blonde hair so that's what's happening and there's some some dude with the sword just talking about the, the final death he's going to kill hawkman and hawkwoman that's fine but really it was just really fun to see alan scott and jay garrick the sandman and wildcat just take dudes down you know why is it satisfying to have wildcat take dudes down because it is oh well yeah he's getting his ass beat one time and he just doesn't know how to quit like captain america mm-hmm. you know he's fighting a huntress who looks like cheetah and uh, she's really kicking his ass, and Hawkman offers to help, and he says, nah, this gal's just my speed. <laughs> That's just so great. I think that he's symbolic of an era where 
you want to believe that there are good guys, but when we look backwards, it turns out that a lot of people weren't. So you just you like him and Captain America, like mm-hmm. you go, all right, this guy will be representative of the good guys that I had hoped for, mm-hmm. who maybe not were as, as common as we thought. They all are, really. I mean, yes. Jay Garrick and Alan Scott and all these guys. Yes, are. that's true. That's true. At one point, <laughs> Alan Scott's fighting a, da- a guy and. He's fighting the wizard dude. He's talking about how he's the master of the arcane. And so then Alan Scott just hits him with a train, mm-hmm. like a giant train. It made me laugh. This was such a great issue. If you are a Justice Society fan and you haven't read this, just pick up Hawkman 27. You don't need to even read anymore. It tells you exactly what is going on that you need to know. It's terrific. It's classic JSA. Well, that's great. We've been talking about Amazing Spider-Man a lot. And last time you said, are you going to say something new? And I did, and I shocked you. Mm-hmm. And then this time, is it, are you going to say something new? And it's kind of. Actually, I thought this, you know, at this point I was like, okay, you got to move the story more along in this one than the other. But you brought a bunch of other Spider-Man people in. What I am going to say about this issue is that uh, not great art. <laughs> well, it's funny. The cover is Bagley. It says Spencer, Bagley, Dell, Curiel. And then I open the issue, and the, the title page says Nick Spencer and Marcelo Ferreira. Yeah, and I was like, "That's oh, someone fucked a cover up." And then I turned the page and it was Bagley. So someone fucked. A I got page very up. confused about that because yeah. I was like, "This looks like Bagley," <laughs> and then and it wasn't all bad. But like by the time we got to the end, there's a sort of p- final page spread of all the different Spider people, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "We've got to go stop Spider Man." Because really, at the at the middle of this is this moral conundrum. Anyway, right. besides that, that last page was just all over the place and not great in terms of figure drawing. There was some things in here I liked. I guess the moral quandary is interesting. It's not new, though. It's not new to comics or superheroes, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Batman. Yeah. It's, the Sin Eater is going to go to attack Norman Osborn with his army. And despite the fact that his army looks like to be brutally murdering people. Yeah, there is a, there's a thing here. Because the quandary was that Sin Eater was, quote-unquote, killing people. But then they wouldn't be dead. They would just be better. With his gun, that's true. Right. He shoots people with his weapon and it sort of neuters the villains. But it shows his army of fanatics with like pipes and knives and clubs and they're beating people to death. Yes. So like he may not be killing people with his weapon, but page four, that dude's being beat to death with clubs. And there's like pipes and knives. And so that's what was confusing to me about the quandary was it didn't seem to be much of a quandary when people are being murdered. So here, yeah. every other spider person, including Miles Morales, and I actually enjoyed the little flashback to the Ultimate Universe for a second, which mm-hmm. oh yeah, that was, was fun. fun. I also really like the scene. Is this the one? There was a Gwen scene. Yep, I thought that was really cool. That was a well done page. I haven't really read too much of the, any of the Spider Gwen stuff, but I, there's this one little bit in there where she said, "Everybody knows me as this thing, and I had nothing to do with it, and I'm not that." You know, so it's not up to me. You you decide. I'm not this perfect person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. Also, that is a great design. I'm just gonna go ahead and give. It. As Josh said, every you know, Spider Gwen, Miles Morales, Julia Carpenter, Spider Woman, who wore the black and white outfit in the '90s, then uh, Jessica Drew with her classic. Like she keeps showing up in her classic costume everywhere, but her own book. Plus <laughs> some other people who I don't know, who are also Spider people. So by the end of it, there's like six Spider people saying they have to stop Spider Man because they want to let Sin Eater take down Norman Osborn. It's the Spider-Verse, see? It just was weird to me because his followers were murdering people. It, just, it was a yeah. weird... It sort of un- undercut the whole argument. Yeah, it, that was, it was odd. But it's an interesting comic book. There was even a scene with the Spider-Verse animated people. Yeah. Wasn't there? That was this issue, right? I don't remember. My brain is scrambled. There was like one shot of like spider, Spider-Ham and I don't know. 
possible, but also a lot of smoke oh, yeah, in the is. air. Been there very is. hot. Page fifteen. There's a little where they're showing, you know, Spider Gwen shows up, and they're, you know, I'm not the same Gwen. And in the corner, bottom corner, there's Spider Ham, and there's Spider Man Noir. It's not from the movie, but it's hoping you remember the movie. Sure, sure, sure. It was a weird issue. Oh right, yeah, I see. And Spider Man is that 2099? Doesn't matter. No, it's some guy. With a, I don't know who that is. Patron pick. Yeah. This week, the iFanboy patrons, if you are at uh, any level, you can vote on one book that you think that we should read. And this week, it was Bill and Ted are Doomed, number one, out of Dark Horse Comics. Yeah. I expected it to be IDW for some reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, stories by Evan Dorkin, very funny, overlooked, I think, uh, comic creator today. And art by Roger Langridge, who I, who a name I haven't heard in quite a while. Yeah. Was it since that? What did he do? Was it Muppets? He, yeah, I guess. He wrote that Thor with Chris Somney that we really like. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't even remember where he came from. He, I think he was, he's like an indie cartoonist, and he's done a bunch of stuff. I think he came up on the Muppets books way back then, and then there was Thor, and then I don't know what happened. Then. Yeah, but I think the Muppets stuff were after like he'd made his mark on you know sure. like on, like indie comics that I don't remember. Although, I think they were good and interesting, but it's been so long. Bill and Ted are doomed. This issue takes place... After Bill and Ted's bogus journey, but before Bill and Ted face the music, the new film that's out right now. It's funny because just this past weekend, this is a spoiler for the upcoming media split, but this this past weekend I rewatched the first two and then I watched the new one. So I was very much in a Bill and Ted headspace when I read this. Now, I wouldn't have read it otherwise. Would you have read it otherwise? I don't think so because historically this is not a good use of the comic book art form. In filling in spots of of a movie that doesn't license really, books, need, yeah, yeah, license, but also just you know it's a zeitgeist thing. So like, well, there's there's Bill and Ted, we got to do a Bill and Ted's comic. At the same time, like it's always more interesting when they don't scrimp on you know people to do it and they bring. Oh, Anderson the team was good. when I saw it, when I opened it up, I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, like you said, Evan Dorkin is like a low key indie comics legend. Yeah, and I'd say that's right. Yeah, Man, Milk and Cheese is one of the funniest comics I've ever read in my life. And language is really talented, so I was at least happy to see that the theme was really good. Yeah. And it wasn't trying to be some weird photorealistic thing. The other side of that, however, mm-hmm. is that having just watched... I didn't watch Bogus Journey yet, but I watched um, Excellent Adventure a week or two ago, and I watched Face the Music just before I read this. Uh, the voice wasn't quite right. The voice was more Dorkin. Yeah. Uh, you know, had I not just watched the movies, I probably wouldn't have noticed it. But there was like bits, and I was like, that's Dorkin right there. Which is a good thing, but in here it was kind of off-putting. The thing that's always the problem with these books, all these licensed books, is that you're taking charming bits from actors and you're putting them on into flat characters on a page. Yeah. You know, Bill and Ted can be very annoying if it's not for the charm of Keanu Reeves and... Alex Winter. Alex Winter. They're very charming as Bill and Ted, but as like flat characters on a page it can be a little bit much i can see that and i just you know at the beginning i say hey it's great that we have evan dorkin on this but he's a voice he's Mm -hmm. a pretty singular voice and so you're mixing this with a thing that actually has a very specific voice the writers on those movies you know are very consistent about who they are and what they are and like i think maybe this would have worked better if they had done this but all of that doesn't always work either this is none of this is to say it's bad it's a thing that i I no i didn't think this was bad it's tough because I, I've been planning a whole Bill and Ted discussion in my head for the media explode, so I don't yes. want to step on that discussion here. Yeah, I, I hear you. So I'll just say that I thought this was 
well done. The art was strong. You know, it's car- super cartoony, but really worked. The characters don't look exactly like the actors, but you're never confused as to who you're looking at. <laughs> and I thought it was funny. You know, it wasn't great, but I thought it was entertaining. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I read this 24 hours ago. Uh-huh. I don't remember a single thing about it. <laughs> I'm flipping through it. I don't necessarily remember exactly the story. I think the story is they are, you know, they're trying to write the song and they're having trouble writing it, which is sort of well, the same plot as the movie. Exactly. And, it, you know, I don't know. It like, it, it's just like I get what they're going. I think it was well done as it could be, but ultimately kind of pointless. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's, that's that's kind of kind of where I'm getting with it, and I think that, you know, we we get to meet a lot of these characters again in the mo- in the new movie. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna not gonna spoil that movie because you can't get it. You know, right. I'll keep this very vague. This doesn't spoil the movie, other than um, I, Connor had said it bridges a gap between Bogus Journey and where they start in the new movie. So you know, you'll know a little bit more, I guess, about their progression of their lives. Yeah, I mean, they're main cast members, but they have daughters. So right. if you've seen a trailer, you know that much. Uh, and they're, you know, they're married to the princesses. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was bad, but I don't think it really worked. I guess that's where I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, that's just sort of the way I feel about any of these licensed books, even if they're done yes. well. It's just kind of like this. This isn't. It's just sort of like a weird, flat echo of what you're what you're trying to get at. And, and it, you're right. It's it's so thematically similar to the film that it's just like, well, why did they do this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and there are there are exceptions to that rule. Okay, there was. I'm sorry. There was one bit that made me laugh. Was when. They come home at the end, and the girls are fighting with death. And they're like, we challenge him to Mario Tennis, and if we won, he had to bring back Kurt Cobain, and he, he lost. He won't bring him back. That made me <laughs> laugh for some, because that's something like, like little kids would do. Mm-hmm. Little music kids. Yeah. I told them the resurrections policy was changed. Like, it was, <laughs> that panel made me laugh. That yeah. bit, if you know the world, was funny. The pits in here made me laugh. It just was like, ultimately, sure. kind of like forgettable. Yeah, I mean, there 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 are licensed book exceptions, but they're yeah. few and far between. Uh, it's yeah. a very tough line. Are you sticking with it? I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking about this as we were coming to it. I kind of want to read it again if I can distance myself enough to just sort of look at it as a book mm-hmm. and not think about it the movie. But I think that as soon as I do that, then the characters lose all their air. Yeah, you know I'm what I mean. Not, I'm not sticking with it. I, thought, I yeah. think the creators are terrific, but. Yeah. yeah, it's just not the same as watching them do it as opposed to reading about it. I give it a number. Ratings out of five. I'm gonna go with three out of five. Two point seven five. Wow, you seem to like it more than I did. Well, then in the end, how does it make you feel? I think it's a want to like it more than like it thing. I think that's where I am. I thought the art was really good. Yes, the absolutely. Was Look, really good. Looks and great. Some bits maybe last. So I'm gonna give it a three. So there you go. Patreon pick. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. As Josh said, every patron can add a book to the rundown by voting every week. We thank all those who do. But if you give it a $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show. Josh, kick it off. Mike Rowe, not that one, <laughs> uh, has, Mike uh, Rowe has, has a very mellifluous voice. Yeah, yeah. He's got a, he's got a meter in his head. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of like a, or a heads-up display that he can see. And it, when he looks at a person, it just says, creep, not a creep. And so Jeez. you can instantly classify anything. That guy's a creep. And you know how to handle any situation that you need to. Creep, not a creep. Interesting. Instant certitude on creep, not a creep status. Well, there you go. And it's current. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm just trying to find loopholes here. So like, uh, was a creep as a younger person, but grew out of it. 
Are they still creep well, like, or are they not a creep anymore? I think the idea is that, listen, everybody makes mistakes, mm-hmm. but at your core, I at see. your heart, it's, it's, are it's you your a heart. creep What's your or core? not a creep? You know, yeah. is, there, is there a chance sure. that they are redeemable or no? Or you'll not slip back into old creep behavior. Or to put it in the parlance of probably 10 to 15 years ago, creep's going to creep. Well, that's very helpful. <laughs> Tom Gerke. Gecker. Gerke. 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 Tom can accurately and expertly interpret any dream. Oh, that means though he has to sit through people explaining. No, that's that's the downside. But he, yeah. but he does exactly what it means though, and it's accurate. So you you can explain this whole crazy epic dream scenario you had, and he can tell you, well, you were just hungry. <laughs> the thing about dreams is, listening to somebody explain their dream is the worst thing on earth. And occasionally, occasionally. It'll be somebody that, A, you have to really know them and love them and care about them to be able – even to be able to sit through it. Right. And occasionally you will – I mean you want to guess what I'm talking about right now. Occasionally it'll be like, oh, that is kind of interesting. But then you start to get on a roll where like every night I'm getting an update. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here was the dream yesterday. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> we're, just, we're trapped in this dream explanation loop. Is this my bad dream? <laughs> well, if, if only you were Tom Gerke. Yeah. Then you could be like, yeah, yeah, I know. You were you were hungry again. I find that a lot of times it's usually pretty easy. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty sure that's your anxiety. What's your recurring nightmare? Uh, I you know I actually have a hard time remembering dreams. Okay, yeah, no, I do too. They really slip away very quickly, and it's such a fascinating thing that something can be so viscerally uh, impactful mm-hmm. at the moment, and then like. 20 minutes later, you can't remember a thing about it. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the normal thing. That's how it's supposed yeah. to work. Is that's yeah. the other thing is when somebody's explaining a dream to you, like, I kind of like, I don't think you remember this. Because I, at some point, I mean, it was a psychology class or something. I remember, like, if you don't write your dream down right when you wake up, it will absolutely disappear. Like, you cannot hold on to it. I can only think of one or two that I really remember. I'll occasionally have recurring stuff about school. It's always school. There's the standard, like, oh, I didn't, I forgot to wear pants to class. Mm-hmm. But there's also like, I think I've talked about this before, like I've had the recurring dream of, I didn't finish a class, I mm-hmm. stopped going to a class, Yep. and that. oh no, did I actually graduate, was I, was I supposed to graduate because I never went to that math class? Like I have that dream. I, th- I think we have talked about yeah, that we have on talked here. About that, yeah. yeah, no one needs to hear it's that still. again. Patreon.com slash fanboys where you can go, the $5 or higher uh, level, you get your own superpower live in the show, thanks to Mike and Tom and all who support the show. And speaking of which, patreon.com slash highboy is the best way to support the show. If you like what you're hearing, if you want to keep it going, if you want to keep supporting us, that's the best way to do it. We have stretch goals. Those stretch goals have done many things like unlock the talks blows and the books blows and the media explodes and unlock the YouTube reupload. So a lot of the stuff we're doing now is because of the patrons unlocking those things at patreon.com slash highfanboy. And the next level, the next unlockable is a G.I. Joe specific podcast. When will we do that in our lives? Don't know. But... People enjoyed the G.I. Joe updates during the quarantine time when there was no new comics, and we'll keep that going if we unlock our new next stretch goal for patreon.com slash ifanboy. T-shirts, ifanboy.threadless.com. You can find our eight shirts there. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick of the Week podcast. Ratings, if one is electro, GDAT, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, and our new design, Stay Home and Read Comics. You can also get those on masks. Gordon, the intern, just ordered like four masks in, our, in four designs. He just showed me his order form which is a requirement to keep him as an intern. He's got to occasionally buy merchandise. <laughs> and you can buy those th- designs and all kinds of products they have at threadless.com. Yeah, fanboy.threadless.com. 
fanboy.com slash support, direct donations via PayPal, and on fanboy.com slash Amazon. You can find their Booksplode books there in a general link. We think everyone does all the above. That is how the show stays afloat, pays the bills, keeps going, makes it worth our time. And we thank everyone uh, who does that. And that's how the economy works for these kind of things. And we do appreciate everyone who supports us. Thank you very much. Jack R. from Durham, North Carolina. I just finished reading New Frontier for the first time based on your Pick of the Week episode from the Dark Times earlier this year. Without a doubt, it's in my top three DC comic stories ever. Also in my top three is All-Star Superman and maybe Azarello and Chang's Wonder Woman run. I'm too unfamiliar with Marvel to know what's the best over there. Civil War? Anyway, what are each of your top three stories from the big two? Ooh. It's a tough one. Yeah, well, I mean, New Frontier is my favorite superhero story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that. Do I count? Let's just count single volumes, not like runs. Like, Azrael and Chains right. Wonder Woman is a long run. Let's just say, like, and I, I know we talked about, like, our top trades before. But let's just say if you could own only three collections from each okay. company, what would they be? And it could be anything, right. as long as they published it. Okay, but also, I'm going to keep this to superhero stuff. Okay. I don't want to go into, like, I could preacher, you know, like, or whatever. Like, I don't want to do that. So we're going to say superhero stuff. Top three superhero stories from Marvel, Marvel and DC. And DC. Okay. We all agree that New Frontiers is on our both of our lists. I'm going to add The Dark Knight Returns. And that last one's always hard because it's your last choice. I mean, is it, is it an all-star Superman? Is it... I don't think it is. It's in the conversation. But sure. yeah. I'm tempted to go for something big like Crisis in Infinite Earths because it's got everybody and it's so, so impactful. And I love it so much. I'm also what tempted about- to go with Man of Steel, which is like my favorite Superman story. The post-Crisis Origin miniseries from John Byrne. What about the, the the new beginning, Grant Morrison Justice? Yeah, League? I mean, there's the there's the first hardcover of Justice League, which has, has like the first eight issues or something. Or Justice League, the Giffen Dimitaeus. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I don't know, man. All right, I'm gonna go with New Frontier. I really want to say Year One over Dark Knight Returns, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I am gonna say Year One. Okay. I just it's I like what it looks like better. That third one is really hard. Yeah, it's your last choice. You gotta. Gotham Central, sort of first chunk, first arc. First volume of Gotham Central? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so I'm going to go... Oh, 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 oh uh, no, no. Second arc of Swamp Thing by Alan Moore and uh, Stephen Bissett. Interesting. That second book. So book two of that mm-hmm. hardcover set. Yeah. Marvel? Well, I'm hold on, I'm going to... Okay, uh, okay, you got an answer? New Frontier, Dark Knight Returns, and... Yeah, I'm going to go with that first hardcover collection of Justice League by Demetrius and Giffen yeah. and McGuire. That was always your thing. I'm going to go with that. It's hard. It's very hard. I could go like, there's a, there's so many books. Marvel. Marvels is in my top three. Yeah, that's, yeah. And you see, it's tough because Marvel has fewer books standalone single story. single story so it's harder for marvel so you could go infinity gauntlet you could go you could go civil war you could go captain america reborn you could go born again born again is on my list that's born my again's that's my first be, choice i think born again marvels and That's I'm gonna tough. go with I'm gonna go with sort of the the first book of Winter Soldier. Mm. That was pretty important to me. I think if 
George Perez had drawn all of Infinity Gauntlet, it would be it would be my top three. But the problem was he didn't. And Ron Lim was fine, but the fact that it changed from George Perez to Ron Lim sort of changed the weight of the story. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. Ready? Yeah. The first arc of Thunderbolts. Oh yeah, you love that arc. I love that book. Oh, okay, then I'm gonna go with the first collection from Busick and Perez's Avengers. Oh, that's good stuff. So that Marvels and Born Again. And this is just off the top of our heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get the freak out comments and emails. Oh my god, you didn't pick like this so, is just literally with no reference. I'm not even looking at my shelves. Like this is just off. Triathlon. He's in Basically, there. Basically, you you chose triathlon book. He's in there. <laughs> There's not much you can do about it. Every rose has a thorn, yeah. Josh. Every cowboy sings <laughs> a sad, sad song. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write us in. Like, Jack, thanks for the email. It was a good one. Let's talk about what's coming up, or actually what's out now. The animated Brain Trust show on Superman Man of Tomorrow, the, the latest animated film, is out. Ryan Haupt and I talked about it. It's right behind the show in the feed. You can hear that. And right now, you can be emailing us for inclusion into the Pick of the Week, episode 750, the all-email show. We're going to talk about the Pick of the Week, we're going to talk about the patron pick, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time doing emails. So if you want to get your email on the show, send it in to contact.ifanboy.com, put 750 in the subject line, and we had an explosion of them this week. So thank you, everyone, who's been sending them in. I was a little nervous there for the first week, but we've got a ton this week, so thank you. So what I've, I've just sorted out is that you have the pick that week. I do, yeah. I sorted that out as well that's always a guarantee that you'll have a lot of books you want to talk about yeah and ron's not here so he, he won't try to slip in 10 books into that show hmm. you can take a break that week well you'll have to read the patron pick but you can take a, yeah. a little break that week put your feet up and uh, not worry about reading books unless you want to read them pick of the week i mean i'm gonna have to read them eventually yeah so if you want to get in the show pick of the week 750 contact at fanboy.com you can write about anything we, we don't guarantee your email will get in the show we don't we don't guarantee we'll answer your question but you, you can ask us anything you want Yes. Let's wrap this whole thing up, shall we? Mm-hmm. You've got the animated brain trust. Superman Man of Tomorrow is out. Yep. I saw that. Okay. Talksplode. I have a guest scheduled for the end of the month. I have to read a new book that the person has brought out. But I, such is my reverence for this person that I have no doubt that I will enjoy the book. I haven't read it myself. You'll read it pretty quick. I haven't had a guest like this before. Ooh. Is it Alan Moore? No, it, it isn't. It, so that's good. Once I do, the show's over. You guys know that, right? Like, if, if you hear me go, Alan Moore is in the next Talksplode, that's it. We're done. Is it Neil Gaiman? It is not. It is not. I think everybody's heard enough of his voice. No, there's never enough Neil Gaiman voice. That's a good point. Is it Norman Mailer? <laughs> yes. It's Norman Mailer. <laughs> it's uh, Tom Wolfe yeah. and Great Carter. Media Split number seven is coming up. Connor had alluded to it. Bill and Ted face the music along with other things. When I say it, we said this before, but when I say it's about Bill and Ted face the music, that's a part of it. That's a third. We'll talk about other stuff that's going on. Yeah, Bill and Ted face the music is the main topic, but we're going to have our standard opening, what we've been watching, and then also maybe we'll do grab bag in. It'll all depend on how, how we schedule it. We haven't really talked about it yet, but that's the main topic. It's like how this whole show is not about a flash issue. It could have been, though. It's, it, <laughs> look at panel 12. We just go through a panel by. That's what we should do next. Ooh, is it Dick Cavett? <laughs> you know, a lot of these people are dead, right? Dick Cavett's not dead. Is he not? I don't think so. Is he 140? I just saw him on something. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. I'm- I'll confirm that while you're, you're... Oh, it's my turn. Head over to fanboy.com to find out about our podcast, all the shows we just mentioned, all of our different shows are there. You can find out what the pick of the week is before it comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter or Comics on Instagram, which is also where you can find the best of the week of panels feature. Individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Twitter again and Instagram always. And youtube.com slash ifanboy is where you can find our old video content which was unlocked by the patrons we've been uploading it three a week this past week we had a, a fanboy mini on the book comic wars which is the prose book about uh, marvel's bankruptcy which is not as exciting as people might expect it's all about business still haven't read it and we did a spotlight episode on top shelf people wondering where the indie books are they were they were in the video shows and we did a vault episode featuring various books i think one was northwest passage one was jla jsa virtue and vice and i don't remember what the third one was but those are the uploaded shows. And hey, like and subscribe. <laughs> I really hate myself for saying that. I know. Uh, Dick Cavett's alive. He's 83 years old. I was just about to. I'm lining up Dick Cavett facts. So uh, if you're on YouTube and you don't want to miss out, subscribe to the show. We've got way more listeners than we have current subscribers on YouTube. And so I'm not saying all oh, you'll have to. But if you don't want to miss out, there's some good stuff. We're starting to hit our stride here mm-hmm. at this point in, in the show. So good stuff's coming from those episodes. Yeah, 83 years old, yeah. which is not as old as I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got married again 10 years ago, which, you know. Yeah, he did. That's optimistic. I met him briefly 20 years ago uh-huh. at an old job when I was a PA. He was, came on one of the shows that I was on, and he was very nice. I would have thought that, like, so back then, he was only 63. And you were probably like, this guy's been around forever. Right, yeah. Which I, I think is fascinating, because now I don't think 63 is that old. Where did I see him? Maybe he was on Colbert? Yeah, he looks like he was on Colbert recently. Well, he hangs out a lot with Colbert. Yeah. Apparently they get drinks. That's nice. Which is awesome. Or they used to. Right. Well, they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, where are we in the show? Oh, yeah, your turn. I've completely lost. I was, I'm was. i looking at Dick Cavett facts. You're closing Which I could do. I understand that now. If you like the show... It's good to have like, facts with him before you interview him so for the talk yeah, that's. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, the next guest is Dick Cavett. You <laughs> ruined it for me, but there it is. Percentage of the audience right now that you think knows who Dick Cavett is, go. 18%. Oh, wow. I, I think we have an older skewing audience. I think they will have heard of 47%. him. 47%. I'm in the high 50s to low 60s, I think. But that's as much as it, like, I can picture him talking to Jimi Hendrix, and now I'm like, oh, he's just a kid then. Yeah. As was Hendrix, by the way. If you like the show, you can write us a review, leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You know in the old days when you finished a TV show or something like that, they didn't have to ask anybody to leave a review or to yeah. like and subscribe. They just said, we'll see you next time because there are no other options. <laughs> You're stuck with us. Yeah, and th- there's a beauty about that. Better yet, tell your friends about it. You know, If you enjoy the show, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, let people know that you enjoyed the show on social media or however you want to do that. And there was no social media, so things might have been worse, but we didn't know it. That's all. Wow. Ended darkly. Nah, it's just facts. I'm uh, I'm Josh. I'm Connor. See you next week. Tell